0: Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast, and now here's your host, Monty Collin. Hey, 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 it's Monty, and welcome to another episode of The Rockcast. Finally, it's here! Thanks so much for joining me on this special holiday edition of The Rockcast. And today I'll randomly be talking some rock and uh, playing some cool tunes. I'll also be answering any questions you have for me, including stuff about my band Galactic Cowboys. And I will also be reading some top 10s. And yes, I'll be reading some of your top 10s, but uh, every now and then I like to read one of my own to show you how it's done. And so I thought I'd kick things off here with things that I hate about the holidays. This is going to be great. And my list begins at number 10 with I hate putting up decorations. Why would you do that? You might be able to talk me into hanging a couple of ornaments on the tree, but you can forget about making me go outside and putting lights up on the house. It ain't going to happen. And that would lead me straight into number nine, which is I also hate taking decorations down. In fact, the only time Lindsay ever talked me into putting lights on the outside of the house, I just left them there for about three years. I'm not even sure I took them down when we moved. They may still be there for all I know. Yeah, they are. You're right about that. At number eight, one of the things I really hate about the holidays is shopping. Now, I don't usually mind going to a mall or something like that, but uh, right before Christmas, they're just packed. And if we go to Walmart or Target, I always get that cart with a bad wheel. Why is that? It's like I'm cursed, you know? There's like 200 carts, and uh, somehow I always get that one that pulls to the left. He's very lucky. Number seven is finding a parking spot when I'm shopping. It seems like every time, every single spot is full, and you've got a park clear at the back of the parking lot. And I don't know where you live, but if you're in Missouri right now, uh, if you have to walk more than 50 feet, you're going to freeze your face off. It's a miserable place to live. Another thing I hate about the holidays is number six, stressing out over what to buy people. (laughs) I have no idea what to buy anyone and I'm usually running around on Christmas Eve, which is also usually when I start my shopping. So yes, I hate the stress, but I really hate at number five, spending money on ungrateful kids oh my lord it really doesn't matter what you get them you could spend a hundred dollars you could spend five hundred dollars you could spend a thousand on them and they would still throw it to the side and a week later it would be broken but this year Lindsay came up with the idea that instead of buying presents we would just all go on a trip And Christmas morning, I cannot wait to see the looks of disappointment on their faces when they see that they are not getting video games. (laughs) Ha ha! Now, I hate to be ungrateful myself, but number four is I hate trying to act surprised and excited when I get a gift that I don't want. How much more can you stink? Yeah, I wish I could just be honest with people and tell them, uh, you know, there's no way I'm wearing this. Uh, But I can't. But that would lead me to three. Another thing that I hate about the holidays is returning gifts that people give me that I don't want. And a word of advice on that, Uh, do not take something back the day after Christmas. I tried that one year and I stood in line for about two hours. So uh, just wait. I am so grateful. At number two, something I really hate about the holidays is the kids are out of school. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's great for them. They get to stay home. And the weather's bad, so they're not going anywhere. And after a couple of days, they've gotten on your nerves so bad that you finally ground them from the PlayStation and TV. And that's when you realize what a huge mistake that was. Because then they have nothing better to do than climb up your ass and stay there all day long and irritate you even further. It begins to drive me into a frustrated rage. But the number one thing that I hate about the holidays is when people in your family you never see expect you to drive four hours to their house to give them shit. So that was my list, but uh, now let's do one of yours. And here's one from Dan in Canada. And Dan's been a huge Galactic Cowboy fan for a long time. In fact, he named his metal radio show, Space In Your Face. Now he doesn't have the show anymore, but he did come up with the idea for a Galactic Cowboys holiday album. And So if you're a Galactic Cowboy fan yourself, you're going to love this. If you've never heard of Galactic Cowboys, you won't get this at all. But it sounds pretty good to me, so here we go with Dan's top ten long-lost Galactic Cowboys Christmas songs. I'm looking forward to this. All right, number ten is Hark the Galactic Cowboys Sing. Number nine is I Can't Wait for christmas oh yes yeah all right so uh these are like uh galactic cowboy songs that uh, could be made in christmas songs you get it (laughs) no Uh, anyway number eight is pump up the christmas tree number seven is you're a mean one mr magnet huh yeah you see we have this song called mr magnet yeah never mind Number six is Elves. You look like elves to me. I don't think so. Number five is Green Sleeves of Tranquility. Number four, Long Way Back to the North Pole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one, Dan. Uh, Number three, Galactic Cowboys Are Coming to Town. Number two is Why Can't You Believe in Santa? (laughs) Very clever. Number one is... The Christmas in Your Face Suite, and much like the Machine Fish Suite, it had several songs in it, including Rockin' Around the Ranch on Mars, Reindeer in the Fields, About Mrs. Claus, again, clever, Uh, You Make Me Toys, and closing out the suite would be If I Were Santa. Alright, good job, Dan. You know, at first I thought, this could be kind of corny, and then I laughed. So good top ten, Dan. Uh, Thanks for sending that in, and uh, happy holidays. Now, let's move forward. Okay, about 20 years ago, I think it's been now, uh, I just moved to Kansas City, and a guy named Jeff Sheets called me and said, hey, I'm going to make this holiday album and do some rockin' instrumental Christmas songs. And he said, would you want to come to my studio and play bass on one of the songs? And I said, sure. And so I did, and I had a great time, and I ended up having Jeff co-produce and mix some of my Crunchy albums. Because he is just an extremely talented person. Not only is he just an amazing guitar player, and I mean amazing, he also rescued this dog and trained it to become a champion frisbee catcher. And now he travels around the country doing that, and uh, you'll see him at arenas uh, throwing the dog uh, frisbees. But uh, Jeff is just one of those guys that I have so much respect for and just love him to death. And uh, I thought I'd play that song that we did uh, for that Christmas album. And I think I play it every year on this show, but uh, whatever. Here it is again. Jeff Sheets and me on the Monster Bass. So this is the holiday special of the Rockcast, but I hope you didn't think I was going to spend the entire time just talking about Christmas stuff, because I'm not. I thought I'd bounce around and talk about some unrelated stuff, so how about I reach into the Rockcast mailbag? And here's a cool one from Josh in West Virginia, and he's an artist, and I've seen some of his work on uh, Facebook, and he's amazing. But the other day he dropped me an email and he said, I grew up on Galactic Cowboys. The first album I was ever gifted was Space in Your Face as a five-year-old in 1998. I was enamored with your artwork at an early age, and being a songwriter and musician myself, I always thought of music and visual art having a stylistic continuity that bridged a gap between mere media. I always wondered if you ever thought while making a song you were making a painting or vice versa. Well, thanks for your email, Josh. Uh, Yeah, I've always thought that the art and the music kind of go hand in hand. They're both a creative outlet and they kind of let me express a lot of things that I have inside of my brain. But they're both a very difficult path to follow. The music led to a lot of cool experiences and opportunities, but it was also very frustrating at times. Contrary to what most people probably think, uh, most musicians are not rich, uh, unless you get really famous. However, I was lucky enough to make a modest living for a while, and for that I am thankful. But I've actually found that it's even more difficult to make a living doing art. And that's for a couple of reasons. The first one being uh, I think people look at art and paintings as kind of a luxury item. And it's funny because people will spend 100 bucks on a meal that they will crap out of themselves the next day or give a plumber 200 bucks to fix their toilet, but somehow spending 100 to 200 bucks on a painting that you will keep forever is just way too much. Some can't afford that. The other problem is that people don't realize how much time are put into these paintings. When I work on something for two or three weeks, I can't just charge 25 bucks. And a lot of people have told me that, uh, you know, maybe I should do prints of these paintings, and that's a possibility. But right now, I'm like, uh, you mean you don't want the actual painting? I've seen guys on Facebook who sell prints, and they're like $90 and most of my original, actual paintings are under 200. And this is something that's confused me for a long time, but the other day on Facebook, somebody explained it to me. They said people aren't cheapskates. The problem is a lot of good, hardworking people go through their entire lives living paycheck to paycheck and very often barely manage to make ends meet. Oh really? Well thank you for telling me that, I did not know that. Absolute genius! But now that you mention it, uh, I kind of live that way too. And so what I have to do is go out and uh, sometimes work for companies who will pay me to do murals. And about a month ago I was hired to go in and paint graphics on the walls of this place that sells security systems. And they were just these big geometric shapes, it was nothing exciting. But this company paid me 25 bucks an hour to do that shit. And I just went, "Mm, okay. So as an artist or musician, some of our stuff is kind of undervalued. And we just have to do what we can to survive. And I've also had people suggest that maybe I teach or give lessons. But I'm not real sure I could do that. A lot of what I do is kind of instinctual and from the gut. And in a lot of cases, I don't even know why I do what I do. For instance, uh, why do I paint somebody's hair purple instead of brown? Uh, I'm not sure. I just like it that way. It's the way I see stuff. What a weirdo. And all that started back in college. And I had this professor one time come up to me and I was painting a still life. And the tablecloth was white and I was painting it blue. And he just looked at me disgusted and went, uh, what are you doing? Uh, it's white, not blue. And I didn't really know what to tell him then, but after I got out of college, I just went, uh, why not? Because you're such an a-hole. But anyway, things have actually been going really well for me here lately with the paintings. The other day I sold a Cliff Burton painting to a guy in Germany named Martin. And Martin happens to be in a Metallica tribute band, and uh, so I thought that was cool. And I also got commissioned to do a Billy Sheehan painting for John Willis on Facebook. And the really cool thing about that is uh, John knows Billy Sheehan, and he had me do the painting of Billy Sheehan for Billy Sheehan. He gave it to him as a gift because, you know, paintings make great gifts. And it was a great honor to do that, but at the same time, it made me kind of nervous. I was like, holy crap, Billy Sheehan's going to actually see this. I better get it right. But I worked my butt off on it. It came out great, and uh, Billy liked it, which is really cool because he's one of my favorite bass players of all time. It's just all so incredibly interesting, isn't it? All right. Let's do another top ten. And this comes to us from Mr. David Whiteman. The new face of evil. But before I get to his top 10, I want to clear something up once and for all. I think somehow, and I don't know how, but uh, I get the idea a lot of people think that i don't like david no yeah seriously and uh sure uh me and david disagree on a lot of things uh well really most things you're sure about that uh, well really almost everything but that doesn't mean that you know that i hate him sounds like you do so anyway i hope that clears that up and uh, david has a top 10 but he also had a question for me, so I'll uh, answer that first. He says, uh, Do you regret the line in the Galactic Cowboys song about Galactic Cowboys never age? <laughs> okay. All right, Mr. Wise Guy. I mean, Whiteman. Trying to say I'm old, are you? Well, yeah, if you must know, uh, I wrote that song about 30 years ago. And yes, I do regret it, because it's one of the stupidest things I've ever said or uh, written. So there, are you happy? Okay, fine. Let's get to David's list, which is the top 10 worst replacement musicians. And at number 10, it's Ray Wilson, Genesis. Yeah, apparently I missed that whole thing. I used to love Genesis way back when, but uh, when they started doing stuff like I Can't Dance and doing videos with puppets, I lost interest. And so I guess Ray Wilson replaced Phil Collins or something? Well, I guess. Okay, whatever. Uh, Number nine is Jason Newstead with Metallica. What? Yeah, well, uh, let me just say I disagree with this one because uh, Jason Newstead replaced Cliff Burton. And that in itself was a monumental task. But I really thought he did a great job. He fit the image. And uh, when I saw him play live with Metallica, he kicked ass. And I really liked him even better than the guy they've got now. Who is that? Number eight is Dan Wilson and John Bush replacing Joey Belladonna in Anthrax. Uh, I agree with half of that. I don't think Dan Nelson ever fit. But John Bush was a great replacement. He had a completely different sound and style. But we did a whole tour with Anthrax when uh, John was the singer, and he was awesome. Now, do I like Anthrax better with Joey? Yeah, but uh, John was a great replacement. But moving on, uh, number seven, Ripper Owens in Judas Priest. Well, it's not that Ripper was bad. Uh, It's just that no one's ever going to replace Rob Halford. And so it was probably just a bad idea altogether to uh, do anything without Halford. What drug are you smoking? At number six, it's Brian Howe replacing Paul Rogers in Bad Company. Yeah, what a horrible idea that was. But there's a good reason why I've never even heard of Brian Howe. And it's because if Paul Rogers isn't singing with Bad Company, then I'm not listening to Bad Company. So there, uh, number five is Ian Gillen in Black Sabbath. Yeah, I was okay with Dio replacing Ozzy, but nobody else. Unacceptable! Number four is uh, somebody I've never heard of, Steve Aguri or something like that, uh, replacing a singer in Journey. Number three, Kenny Jones replacing Keith Moon in The Who? Who? Well, I don't know how bad that was, but it's just that nobody was ever going to replace Keith Moon. Okay, says who? Uh, Number two, Blaze Bailey in Iron Maiden. Yeah, I would agree with that, actually. Uh, That just didn't work. But at number one on David Whiteman's list of ten worst replacement musicians, Gary Sharon in Van Halen. So there you go, a fine list from David Whiteman. And let that be a lesson to all of you. Just because you have disagreements and different opinions from somebody doesn't mean you can't coexist. I want to strangle him. Okay, let's do a question now, and this one is from Zach Del Moral. Uh, He sent me a message on Facebook. And Zach says, Hey, Monty, I was recently thinking about all the concerts I've been to over the years, And the other day I was thinking about the dilemma I was in back in 1994 where I had to choose between two concerts on the same night. One was Queensryche with typo negative opening. The other show was Megadeth, Flotsam and Jetsam, Corn, and Fear Factory. It was a tough choice because I love Megadeth and Flotsam and Jetsam. But I was also getting into Type O Negative at the time, and Queensryche still had Chris DeGarmo in the band. So I ended up going to Type O Negative and Queensryche. So my question is, I was wondering if you've ever been in this situation before where you had to choose between two shows on the same night. And also, which show would you have picked if you were in my situation? Well, thanks for the question, Zach. Uh, You know, that was a tough choice there, but I would have done the same as you. I saw Queensryche back then when they were opening for Metallica on the Anjustice for All tour, and uh, they were doing Operation Mindcrime stuff, and they were great. And I didn't really get into Type O Negative until I heard their October Rust CD, and after that I was a big fan, so that would have been a great show. But did I ever have to pick between two concerts myself? Uh, Yes, I did. It was probably about 12 or 13 years ago that I bought tickets to see Tom Petty. And I bought them the day they went on sale and I'd had them for a while. And then in the meantime, one day I'm sitting there at my computer and I see an ad for this uh, festival. I think it was called Mayhem Festival. And it was Slipknot, Disturbed, Mastodon, and Under Oath. And I don't think I'd ever seen any of those bands. And I was just like, oh yeah, I gotta go. Well, when is it? And I look at the date and uh, I'm thinking, hmm, that sounds familiar. Like there's something else going on. And then I remembered, oh yeah, that's the same night as Tom Petty. Ah! And so I ended up going to Tom Petty, but uh, I am not that easily defeated. And so what I did was I looked up the Mayhem Festival tour schedule and saw that it was going to be in Houston a few weeks later. And I ended up driving 15 hours, and I did see Slipknot, Disturbed, Mastodon, and Under Oath by myself. And I'll tell you what, I had a good time by myself. This has made me terribly sad. And so, yeah, I will go through great lengths to see a concert. And uh, the other night, Lindsay and I went to one that was a little bit different. We went to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and I had never seen them before. And I knew it was kind of a metal Christmas thing, and uh, I had heard that it was a great show. But usually the people that told me that were, like, older and uh, not into metal at all. So I'd always been a little bit skeptical, but this year, uh, Lindsay and I decided, hey, let's try it out. And so we went, and uh, man, uh, it was really good. Uh, The light show was amazing, like the best light show I had ever seen. A lot of lasers, a lot of fire. It sounded great. The vocals were just spot on. And the musicians and the playing was just superb. So I'm going to give it a big thumbs up and, uh, you know, four or five bloody metal skulls. If it's coming your way, go check it out. Uh, And uh, if you've never heard of Trans-Siberian Orchestra before, they sound a little bit like this. So before I went to CTSO, I looked them up and found out some of the members were in Sabotage. And back around 93 when Galactic was touring for uh, Space In Your Face, we actually opened for Sabotage for a couple of weeks. And they were real good guys, but uh, the first time I had ever heard of them was another time we played with them back around 91. We were at this festival called Livestock, and uh, they were playing, and I didn't know much about them then. And we'd already played that afternoon, and I was just out by the bus hanging out before they went on. And they kick into their first song, and I hear this. and I was like wow that guy's got a weird voice but when I got home after the tour I saw a video for Hall of the Mountain King by Sabotage and I thought man uh, that guy's got a great voice actually and uh, that is a really cool song and then a couple years later we actually toured with Sabotage but of course by then they had a different singer but nevertheless, uh, the other night when I was watching Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I turned to Lindsay and I said, uh, Yeah, I know those guys. Uh, well, kind of. Uh, yeah, I think I may have met a couple of them. Maybe. Okay, as long as I'm talking some rock here, uh, why don't I do a little rock news? This is stuff that you probably already heard about by now, but you haven't heard what I think about it. For instance, how about that Motley Crue reunion tour? Yeah, so much for retirement. I just love all these bands that do their farewell tour. And they tell everybody this is going to be your last chance to ever see us ever again. And with Motley, they were telling everyone, yeah, we're sick of each other. We're sick of these songs. We're not doing it. In fact, we're signing a contract. But then a little time goes by and they think about the money they could probably make. And suddenly it's like, well, maybe we aren't so sick of these songs. And as long as I don't have to travel in the same bus with the other guys, then okay, I'll do it. Of course, the question I'm sure you're all dying to know is, uh, well, am I going to go see Motley Crue on their reunion tour? And, well, no, it's highly unlikely. Unless somebody just flat out gives me some tickets, no, I won't be going. Well, why the hell not? First of all, of the opening acts that they're going to have, the only person I'd want to see would be Joan Jett. I don't really care about Def Leppard, and I've never liked Poison. But the main reason why I won't be going is I just saw Motley Crue about, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. And I had a good time, but I have no desire really to see him again. And there's no way in hell that I'm going to spend several hundred dollars to see him. But maybe that's just me. I mean, uh, I paid a couple hundred bucks to see uh, Iron Maiden a few years ago, but there's not a lot of people that I would shell out big bucks to see. I would do it for Rammstein, I might do it for Paul McCartney, but not for Motley Crue. And uh, I didn't even do it recently for Elton John. I saw that he was coming to Kansas City. I've never seen Elton John, and so I thought, I'm going to look up and see how much tickets are. And they were like $250, $300 for the nosebleed seats. Wow. And so sadly, I said, well, I guess I won't be seeing Elton John. I did not know he was still alive. Instead, I will take that money and make a car payment and pay the electric bill. Blah, 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 blah. All of that's true. Somebody else I won't be going to see are the Black Crows. Apparently, the Robinson brothers are doing a reunion tour. And that was kind of news to me because I never knew they broke up. Mainly because I do not give a rat's ass about the Black Crows. Never have. I know a lot of people just love them. I just never got it. Are you shitting me? However, I did hear about a tour that I would definitely go see, and that's Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. From what I hear, they're talking about it, and that would be awesome. However, Priest has already said, apparently, that uh, if they do any kind of tour like that, that KK Downing will not be playing with them. And from what I hear, KK wanted to do it, but they just don't want him anymore. And so how do I feel about that? Well, it would be cool to see him in the band again. But at the same time, he did write a book and talk a bunch of shit on him. And so I kind of understand where they're coming from because I've had a little past experience with that kind of thing. And I can tell you, it's not real cool. So if you're going to burn all your bridges in a book or on Facebook, you probably shouldn't expect to ever play with that band again, I'm just saying. But you know, uh, not getting along with bandmates is kind of par for the course. I know a lot of people don't understand why bands break up or they can't reconcile their differences, but it's been said a million times, but it's kind of true. Bands are like relationships or marriages. A lot of times, at first, everything's great you love each other, but after a while, certain little things start bugging you about the other person. And before you know it, it's developed into full-blown hate. And from what I hear, such was the case with Sammy Hagar and the Van Halen Brothers. For a while, everything was rosy, they had a bunch of hits, and they sold like a bazillion albums. But then it all went sour, they kicked Sammy out, and now they won't even speak to each other. However, I just read an article that said that Sammy is now saying that he wishes he could be friends with the Van Halen brothers again. And yeah, I think that would be great. Why not? Well, yeah. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. Because that would require one of them apologizing to the other. And that's never going to happen. No! Oh, and here's another bit of rock news along those same lines. Did you hear that Pete Townsend of The Who recently said in an interview that he's glad that uh, Keith Moon and John Entwistle are gone? Oh, my God! Oh, yeah. He basically said that they were a big pain in the ass to deal with, and, uh, you know, things are better without them in The Who. And, of course, this was so shocking and outrageous, it caused all kinds of people to get all upset. And then I saw people on Facebook saying that he was an asshole and, you know, they'd lost all respect for him. And even though he kind of backpedaled and said he didn't really mean that, you know, people were still like, I don't care. Townsend's a jerk. He's a piece of excrement. But now what did I think of what he said? Well, you know, was it a nice thing to say No. And I've learned from experience you're not supposed to ever say anything about anybody that ever died. You can never be critical of a dead person. Who didn't know that? But at the same time, I kind of understood where he was coming from. I mean, Keith Moon is my favorite drummer of all time. But the guy was a total freak. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Entwistle was pretty unreliable also. I mean, they both did a lot of drugs and alcohol and died of overdoses. And I'm sure Townsend isn't really glad that they're gone, but uh, I know what he's saying, you know? Sometimes uh, bandmates can be kind of a pain in the ass. So I still love Pete Townsend. I think he's a genius, and I think he was misunderstood. So how about you just get off his back? Maybe he's just a guy that doesn't like a lot of drama. I'll answer another one of your questions now, and this one comes from RockCast listener Jamie Roller. And Jamie says, "Hey, Monty, how's it going?" Uh, that is a good question. Well, thanks for asking, Jamie. Uh, you know, it's going pretty well. Uh, I got a new iPhone. Uh, it was an early Christmas present from Lindsay, and she got me an iPhone 11, which was an upgrade from what I have, which was an iPhone 6. And I'd had that thing for years, so I was really looking forward to the new one. And I gotta say, it's nice overall, but man, the camera is awesome. Which is perfect for me because I take a lot of photos and uh, do a lot of homemade pornography. Uh, I mean, photography. What did you just say? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like I was saying, uh, the camera's great. It's got a portrait mode on there that's really cool, and it also shoots video in 4K. I know you, and I know what you're doing. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, I've been watching some TV. Shocking. And that's a little different for me because, uh, you know, I'm more of a reader. What a load of bull. But we're still watching The Masked Singer, uh, even though I hate that show. But I would love to be on that show, uh, not as a performer, but just sit in the audience. Because judging from the reaction of the people in the crowd, uh, they gotta be getting paid. And I think I could do it. I could sit there in the crowd and just act like, Oh my God, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Which is also the way the judges act. And these people come out there in these ridiculous costumes and they sing. And Jenny McCarthy, who is a judge, has her mouth open. And she's telling him, Oh, that was amazing. You are obviously a professionally trained singer. And I watched this for an hour, and at the end of the show, they take the mask off, and it's Kelly Osbourne. It was hard to watch! Now, another show I watch is Survivor, and I've seen every single season. And it's really changed a lot over the years. Uh, It used to be that they'd throw them on this island, and they'd be out there starving. But these days, just about every single episode, Jeff Prost will say, "Uh, You know what you're playing for? And they'll go, what? And he'll say, a buffet. Wow! Yeah, it's more like they're just camping than it is surviving. But the thing I hate about Survivor now, and it seems like a lot of shows are getting this way, is they feel like they always have to lecture me every single episode. For instance, one week I might get a lesson about the Me Too movement. And then the following week, one of the black contestants may teach me about white privilege. Hell yeah! So, really, Survivor isn't so much uh, entertainment as it is an educational experience. Thank you, CBS. Well, what are you, right, one coke? But another show that Lindsay and I like to watch is Wife Swap. Yeah! And no, it's not nearly as good as it sounds. Oh! This was actually a show that was on, I think, about 10 years ago. And it's a series where you got these two couples, and the wives will change places and go live with another family for a couple of weeks. The only problem with this show is every episode is exactly the same. You got one family that are real disciplinarians, and the other family lets their kids do anything. And shockingly, the husband and his new wife don't get along at all, ever and they argue and yell at each other. But by the end of every episode, the new wife has convinced the husband that he's been doing things all wrong. And he needs to appreciate his real wife more and uh, spend more time with his kids. And just like Survivor, we all learn a valuable lesson. This made a huge difference in uh, my life. Now, a lot of times I'll get bored with regular TV and I'll just turn on YouTube. And the other day, I got a suggestion from Stu on Facebook, and he suggested that I check out this guy that does weird cover tunes. And I think the guy's name is Anthony Vincent, but his channel is called 10 Second Songs. And what he does is he'll take one song, and then he'll do it in all these different styles. Like he'll go from Amy Winehouse to Periphery to The Village People. And it's really quite funny, and he's really quite talented. And recently, he did Welcome to the Jungle in the style of Ramstein. And of course, you know I love Ramstein. And here's how that sounded. another reminder don't forget to check out my art website montycalvinart.com. even if you don't buy anything you might want to just check out some of my paintings and uh, maybe tell somebody about it i hope you'll also check out my regular website montycalvin.net. I've got my Crunchy CDs for sale on there, I've got Rockcast t-shirts, and I've also got photos of Galactic Cowboys and a hot Lindsay modeling page. It looks pretty damn good. I'm telling you that right now. Now if you want to ask me a question or uh, send me a top 10 list or you just want to say hi, you can do so on any of my websites or on Facebook. I try to answer everybody, so feel free to be my friend. You don't care! So I was thinking the other day, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I am getting so sick of all the political correctness going on, it seems like it's getting worse and worse every day where we're being told how to think and what to feel, and it's just gotten out of control. You know, you've got people getting upset about commercials for exercise bikes. Huh? Yeah, apparently if you're a man and you buy your wife an exercise bike, uh, that somehow makes you a sexist. Scumbag! If you don't believe in open borders or you don't want criminals to be able to vote, then you're a racist. Mm Mm-hmm, I know that's right. Did you know that if you used plastic straws or still eat meat, that you are killing the planet? Really? Yeah, I know this because I got scolded the other day by a kid who ended up on the cover of Time magazine. How dare you? And did you know that they want to ban nerf guns because they look too much like assault weapons? Well, it's true. If you say something, make something, think something, or feel something that somebody doesn't like, they will be offended and accuse you of being a bad person. And a few years ago, some idiots decided that the song Baby It's Cold Outside was promoting date rape. And of course, date rape is a horrible thing. And so Lindsay and I thought we should get together and do a new version of that song. And hopefully our rendition uh, doesn't offend anybody. But I will leave you with that song and uh, hope that you have a Merry Christmas. This was the last Rock Cast of the year, but I will be back next year with new episodes. In fact, I will be back in January with my year-end special. I'll be telling you what my favorite songs and albums of the year were. And I'll also be giving out my Rock Casty Awards. So you won't want to miss that. But until then, this is Moni saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And Rock On. Baby, it's cold outside. Uh, yeah, it's December. Baby, it's cold outside. Do you think you'd mind? I'd do anything for you. Scraping my windshield off. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I'm feeling really stabby today. That's all right, we could watch the game. I hate football, it's gay. Well, now that's kind of harsh. Some bye- Gonna get punched in the face Gee, what's up with you? I can't feel my nose Baby, it's cold outside My fingers are toast Baby, it's cold outside You know, I'm freezing my ass off You should probably wear a coat This is some bullshit Ah, you're beautiful and you're angry I've gotta get to work? Yeah, right. Traffic's gonna be a bitch. Yeah, 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 that's a shame. I have nothing to wear. Oh, for the love of God, would you quit complaining? So, are you picking the kids up from school or not? Well, yeah, I guess. I swear to God if somebody doesn't do those dishes. Yeah, whatever. I'm about to lose it. John say Merry Christmas everybody. Mrs. Wingo say Merry Christmas, everybody. And In fact <laughs> everybody, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for all the cards and that and Thank nice. you very Thank much you. everybody. Merry Christmas and a happy new year then. Has been Monty's Rockcast. Hi, this is Pete Townsend. I want to wish you happy holidays. It's over!